0: Okay, the series is titled, I Quit, and uh, today we're going to talk about I Quit Living in Fear. And you know, most of us battle many different fears during our lifetime. Interestingly, studies show that as babies, we're really only afraid of two things, um, the fear of falling and loud noises. But as we develop, we accumulate all sorts of different learned new fears. How many of you were afraid of the dark? Maybe you still are. Okay. Yeah, this is a participating service today, so I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. Uh, I'm not going to incriminate you, but I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. Okay. Anybody afraid of spiders then, now? Okay. Um. How about thunderstorms? Anybody afraid of... How many of you as children crawled into bed with mom and dad because you were afraid of thunderstorms? Okay, we have some. Um, If you ever left a hand or foot over the edge, how many of you felt like you were in danger of the guy underneath the bed who could come out and grab your... Okay, we have several of those. All right, I think that's a very rational fear. Okay, actually, many of us are currently living in fear, it may be different from these, but today we're going to consider four of life's most common fears in light of God's Word. Now, those fears are the fear of loss, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, and fear of the unknown. Now, which of these fears would qualify as your most common fear? You can give some thought to that. All of us adopt these different kinds of fears as we go through life. Okay, first thing I want to do is I want to look at those four. uh, Life's most common fears. Okay, first is the fear of loss. I want to talk about these uh, individually in a little bit of detail. Fear of loss is the fear of losing something that's important to you. Uh, If you're married, you may be afraid of losing your spouse. Uh, It's something that weighs on you. Or if you're a parent, uh, you may may be and probably have felt at some point the fear of losing a child uh, or something happening to a child. Uh, I think that's very common. Yours may be the fear of financial loss. Uh, You'd hate to lose your job. or an investment, uh, or to be at a place where financially you just can't quite make it. So you have that fear. For other people, it's simply a fear of losing control. You want everything the way you want it. Now, I struggled with that for years. My wife would probably tell you I still struggle with it, but I don't. I've I've conquered it. Uh, Take my word for it. Uh, so if you're not in control, it really creates this feeling of fear. Uh, it's like, you know, everything's out of control. How many of you would say that maybe at one point or another in your life, you have feared losing something important to you? Let me see the hands. Okay, I'm raising mine because I'm included here. Okay, the second, another common fear is the fear of failure. And generally, that's based on feelings of inadequacy. Uh, You'd like to do something, uh, but you're afraid you're not going to win at the game. Uh, You want to start a life group, maybe at church, uh, but you feel like, uh, well, if I start, nobody will show up, or I might not be a good host, or I might not be a good facilitator. Uh, Perhaps you felt burdened to start a ministry, Uh, in the church. But there's this fear that you're not good enough to do it. It may be starting a business, uh, going back to school, or or reaching out to someone uh, may, may have been one of your goals in life. But you're not sure you've got what it takes, so you've been paralyzed by the fear of failure. How many of you would say that this is a fear that you struggle with? How many of you? Um, Many of us battle the fear of rejection. I have to admit, when I was a teenager, I didn't date much uh, because of this fear, this fear of rejection. I was afraid that, you know, the girl was going to say no, uh, probably, you know, ask me a question like, well, why would I go out with you? And that would just crush my spirit, you know, if somebody said that to me. So a lot of guys uh, you know, struggle with that. Um, others fear that their husband or wife is going to leave. Um, some people are paralyzed with a people-pleasing mindset. Now, that's another one that I used to have that I feel like I've conquered. Um, you want everybody to like you. Now, that's hard in the ministry, especially when you get a congregation the size of this one. I can't say everything every single Sunday, every word that pleases everybody, that makes everybody happy with me, because at some time, I'm probably going to deal with uh, one of your uh, weaknesses or sins or areas where you need improvement, and so you're not going to appreciate the fact that I mentioned that, that I brought it uh, to your and everybody else's attention. No, I don't single people out. Please don't... (laughs) Don't misunderstand. I've never done that. I would never do that. Um, But it's hard to please everybody. Um, But there are a lot of people uh, who are people pleasers. Uh, You know, they want everybody to like them. So they wonder, you know, i just got my hair done differently. Are they going to like my hairstyle? Um, Are they going to like the way I walk, the way I talk, Uh, the clothes that I wear, you know? Are they acceptable, you know? Um, do, do people like the kind of car I drive? The kind of kind of job that I have? Uh, am I p- important enough for others? And so people that have that issue go through life worried that people are going to reject them. Now, is that true of you? Raise your hand if that is is one of your fears—a fear of rejection. Okay, let me see hands. Okay, all right. Probably not everybody's totally honest, but anyway. Number four, fear of the unknown also plagues many people today. Um, What if I get cancer or an incurable disease? What if I lose someone I love who is close to me? You know, this could be a spouse, a parent, child, best friend. This list just goes on and on. Uh, What if I lose my job? Or, you know, I'd like to try this new job, uh, but but I'm not sure that, uh, I'm afraid, I'm not sure that I would like it, uh, or the people there might not like me. Uh, perhaps you're stuck in an abusive relationship, or you're in some kind of bad situation, but for fear of the unknown, you are afraid to step out and make a move. Life is going really great, but I'm afraid something is bad is about to happen. Now, I've run into some people like that. It's like, life's too good. You know, because life's so good, something bad's got to be around the corner. Something bad uh, is about to happen. I'm afraid of the unknown. How many of you are afraid of the unknown? How many of you struggle with that? Okay. Well, don't allow any fear to paralyze you. 2 Timothy 1.7, this is the verse that I read. Uh, from the New Living Translation, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Fear is not from God. Fear is from our spiritual enemy, Satan. So because fear is not from God, therefore I will quit living in fear Fear is not the opposite of faith. I think probably when I was a younger preacher and didn't know better, I probably made that statement that fear uh, is the opposite of faith. But fear is faith in the wrong things. Faith in the wrong things. Fear is placing faith in the what-ifs of life. Um, Have you noticed that most people rarely say, what if something great happens? You ever hear anybody say that? I, you know that's 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 rare, with the exception of dummies who buy lottery tickets and say, "What if I win?" You know there are people that actually think they buy a ticket; and they think they're going to they're going to win. Well, somebody does, but there's a whole lot more that don't. Um, what if something good happens? Most people rarely think that um, they're they're more often afraid that something bad is about to happen so fear is placing faith in the bad what ifs placing faith in the bad what ifs now we have the old testament example of moses now a lot of you bible scholars out there you know the story of moses how He got in trouble in egypt because he killed an egyptian that was beating a hebrew so he ran away, uh, met uh, his wife-to-be, and then began shepherding uh, for her father. And he was in the desert keeping sheep, and he approaches this bush that is burning, but it's not consumed. And now this is, this is strange. You know, we would expect it to turn to ashes, but it, it was not consumed. It continued to burn. And so God spoke to Moses Uh, out of this burning bush, and he paid attention to what God said, like you or I would probably do the same if we were confronted by a burning bush. Uh, In that conversation, God commissioned Moses to go back to Egypt and to lead his people out of bondage to the land of promise. And here's Moses' response. Uh, This should be in your outline, Exodus 4.1. Moses answered, what if, (laughs) notice the what if. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? I mean, I have people tell me all the time, you know, God spoke to me and said this. How do I know God spoke to you? You know, I wasn't there. I didn't hear it. So Moses is saying, well, you know, what if the people react this way? Well, you know, how do we know that God appeared to you? So God's going to be with him. But Moses is playing that what-if game because he was afraid. He had fear. And all of us do this. Now, you know, the, the government and the media is trying to convince us that the economy is getting better. You know, you see all these articles all the time. Well, but a lot of us who are more realistic is like, what if the economy tanks? You know, what if financially everything goes south. And so we think that. It it becomes a fear. What if I lose my job? What if I lose my health? What if my spouse cheats on me? Uh, What if my kids get hurt? What if we get in a wreck? What if I never get married? What if I marry a jerk? And then we have kids. And we have six kids. What if our cat gets pregnant again? You know, so we have all these fears that that tend to drive us uh, in life. Now, there are some bad things that could happen in your life. Well, why do the what-ifs matter? Why do they make a difference? Well, your what-ifs matter because what you fear reveals what you value the most in life. Okay, that's important. Okay, what, what's important to you, what you value the most? For example, if you fear losing your marriage, that's a positive thing in a sense because it shows that you place great value uh, in your marriage. So that's not a bad thing. So if you fear something happening to your children, it shows that, that you really value your children. And again, that's not a bad thing. If you fear losing your job or losing your money... What you value there is financial security and stability. Once again, that's not a bad thing. What you fear reveals what you value most in life. Now, what you fear, however, also reveals where you trust God the least. So fear works both ways. It reveals what you value the most, and it reveals those areas or you trust God the least. For example, if you're really worried about your marriage, then you're not trusting God with your marriage. If you're really worried about your children, you're not trusting the protection of your children to God. Uh, you're saying, God, I, I really don't believe that you're good enough or your plan or your purposes will come through for my children. Therefore, I will contribute. By worrying, if you don't trust God with your financial well-being, then you're basically saying that you don't trust God to provide for you. Please be honest. I'm not trusting God with. That's your, this is your own personal fill-in-the-blank. Fill uh, you determine for yourself what it is that you're not uh, trusting God with. If perhaps it's your children, maybe your future, it may be your health, it may be someone you love, uh, your aging parents, the list just goes on and on. Now let me say this, it is important for me as a leader in the church uh, to be a, a leader of integrity here at New Life. That's really important. So it's imperative that I set a good example uh, for all of you to emulate or to, to follow. Now I've I've been kind of honest with you, very personal in some of my fears so far leading up to this. Um, And, and, you know, I've already confessed to you that I've struggled with all four of those major uh, categories of life's most common fears. Now, I have to tell you that it was a real challenge for me to plant this church, New Life, back in October of 1997. The beginning of new life uh, was really, honestly, the result of undesirable circumstances. Uh, It was not planned. It was not intentional. I had a lot of fears. Um, I had this major fear of inadequacy, that I was not up for the job. I knew that I could function in all the different areas of pastoral ministry, but was I really a good leader? Now, when you're in a congregation that has elders and other leaders, um, then in my position, you're one of many, you know, and there are other staff members as well. So it's one of many leaders, but in the case of starting a church, it was me, uh, basically. And so I wasn't sure that I had... Uh, the ability that I was able to fulfill all of God's expectations for my role. I was concerned that I might run out of energy, um, that perhaps I didn't have the proper gifts for starting a new church. And so in a sense, I felt paralyzed. But I have to tell you, uh, God saved for me the best to last. Um, My ministry here at New Life has been the apex of my career. Uh, I've always thought that I would preach to the end. You know what I mean? The end of my life. Okay, well, which would be the end of my career too, but but I was thinking, you know, the end of my life. As a matter of fact, I I had uh, mentioned this to Gina. I had envisioned dying, let me use the phrase, in the pulpit. Which means, while I I don't have a pulpit, while I was preaching. So, you know, I would be preaching and just all over. That's what I envisioned. I was like, God, that would be the greatest way to go. Wrong. Um, I would not be good for my family. How could they ever come back to church when, you know, every time they looked up here, here's where I left. Um, And it would not be good for you uh the the congregation and I learned that a little later because I've seen situations where preachers have died while they were actively engaged in ministry in a congregation and it really hurt the church people were hurt by that uh it was a personal personal hurt and so I wouldn't want you to go go through that that made moving on uh, e- extremely difficult. Uh, so I resisted that temptation to continue to, uh, to feel that way. I repented and, um, and talked to, um, talked to the, the elders of the congregation, to the church council, and various colleagues in ministry um, about how I should leave how I should leave the church, and how I would pass the baton of leadership on uh, to my successor. And so the, the best and most natural choice for that responsibility is my trusted associate colleague and our team pastor, Craig Bishop. Okay, what I'm telling you is I'm going to retire in June of 2018. Now that's almost two years, um, but I want you to know that. I want you to be aware of it. I want you to, uh, to, to notice as we make progress uh, through the transition, I've been mentoring Craig for a number of years. His uh, leadership skills have significantly developed. I've been giving him more and more responsibility, giving him uh, opportunity to make more and more decisions, And he's done an excellent job. I'm confident in his leadership. So between now and June of 2018, uh, Craig will gradually assume more preaching responsibilities. Uh, Right now, he's preaching once a month. Uh, The first of the year, that'll change to twice a month. And then uh, later next year to three times and then uh, in June of 2018, the responsibility will be all his. Now, I plan on being around, okay? Even though I'm retiring, some of you might want to get rid of me altogether, but I, I'm, I'm planning on staying around. Um, I, have, I have no, I'm not inclined to move or go anyplace. I'll continue to be a member uh, of the church here. I'll be available Uh, to fill in interim situations when churches are between preachers or fill in when preachers are sick or can't preach on vacation for whatever reason. And I'll do a lot of volunteering here at New Life, and who knows what else. So let me give you this invitation. Uh, Feel free to ask me any questions after the service or any time in the future. Ask me any questions. But I wanted you to be aware of where the ship is going and what's going to be happening and changes that are going to take place. Okay, so that's that's dealing with one of one of my fears. Um, I just, you know, being a preacher, I didn't know if um, the person following me would, would follow in my direction. I was afraid that, you know, things would fall apart. And I had all of these fears, and God's dealt with that and I feel good about going on. Okay, let's move on. Facing the what ifs of fear. Acknowledge your fear and choose to trust God. It's it's a decision that we have to make. Uh, the fear is going to naturally come. How we deal with it, that's a choice. Don't just brush your fear off. Don't put your fingers in your ears. Don't Close your eyes and go, la, 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 this is not happening to me. That's not going to help. Whatever your fear is and whatever you can do within your power that is effective to minimize the risk, do that. Then make a choice with every bit of faith you have to trust God. Let me give you an Old Testament example. David had been anointed to become king over Israel. Now, he had been set aside for that purpose. Saul was still reigning as king, uh, but David was anointed uh, before anything happened to Saul. Saul didn't like that. You know, it was apparent to him that God had rejected him and God had selected his successor. He would have wanted one of his sons uh, to become king. And so um, in in his... uh, In his concern and in his dislike uh, over how things were going, he began to despise David. And so he began to seek opportunities to take David's life. And so David was on the run trying to avoid Saul in order to preserve his life, and he wrote this. This is Psalm 56, verses 2 through 4. David says, "'My slanders pursue me all day long. "'Many are attacking me in their pride.'" When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? So David's reaction to fear was to trust God. Mortal, mortal men could capture, torture, imprison, or even kill him, but David chose to focus not on the temporary, that's earthly things, but on the eternal, over which mortal men had absolutely no control. The, the worst of man pales in comparison to the goodness of God. The more you choose to trust in God, the less you will fear things of this world. And so today I encourage you to seek God and keep seeking him until he takes your fears away. Seek God in his word, through prayer, through your life group. Have people pray for you, other people. Psalm 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me. From all my fears. Back in January, uh, my cousin Mary Collins showed up at my office. She'd been to the doctor and was waiting to get some results uh, from tests, and uh, she was trying to figure out uh, what what was causing this long term illness that she had been dealing with since about Thanksgiving, and she was afraid that she had pancreatic cancer, which had taken the life of her mother. Now, her doctor, her personal physician, assured her that pancreatic cancer was not genetic, and that's that's true. But the same poisonous toxins that gave Aunt Alice pancreatic cancer were at work inside of Mary. All of her life, I would describe Mary's personalities. She was very timid, and uh, and anxious. And I talked about that at her funeral. Those of you who were there, um, at the time, I think she sensed deep down that death was near. She was afraid. She was afraid of having cancer. She was afraid of dying. Uh, she was afraid of leaving her family. Such a young age. I counseled with her. We read scripture together. Uh, I prayed with her, and then took her out to a relaxed lunch, and we continued to talk. And I think at that point I could see a difference. I think at that point uh, she she began to really seek God, and I I sensed a change in her outlook as her fear uh, gave way to trust in God now long story short she ended up having to have surgery and we expected her to come out of surgery and expected to have some time we knew it would be short but we expected to have some time with her but she never really fully recovered came out from under uh, the effects of the surgery maybe just for a- an instant to talk to Michael or Stephen but Uh, to have words, but she really didn't come out of that for any of us to visit with her. Uh, And so, long story short, uh, she died with a peaceful spirit. Now, Mary sought God. God delivered her from that fear. And God can do the same thing for you if you will seek him with all of your heart. John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church, said, I've never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. Wow, that's a, that's a great quote. And, and that is a really important principle. Wesley knew how important it was to get rid of that anxiety, to get rid of that fear. So it is advisable to deal with fear and anxiety immediately. So God is on the throne, uh, and he is still in control, and you and I could take comfort in his control over the affairs of our lives. Whenever you feel uh, fearful emotions overtaking you, close your eyes and thank God that he is still on the throne, reigning over everything. And take comfort in his control over the affairs of your life. But what if? What if this happens? What if I lose a child? What if I go bankrupt? What if I lose my job? And what if the economy tanks? You might go through difficult times. But what can mortal man do to you when you fully trust yourself in the hands of God? What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. And also it reveals the areas of your life where you trust God the least. If you know God and you continue to seek Him, He will sustain you. Because if you truly know him, you have nothing to fear, but a reverential fear or respect and love for the one who created you. And the more you know and fear God in a holy way, the less you have to fear on this earth. Now our text again, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, love and self-discipline. Satan wants you to be in bondage, but God wants to set you free. Now the choice is yours. I choose to quit living in fear. If you are making the same choice today, I want you to repeat with me, uh, I quit living in fear. So I'm going to say it. I quit Living in fear. Okay. Let's pray. Father, help us to do the very thing that we have committed to do. To quit living in fear and to put our trust in you. Father, may our lives be different from this point on. May we serve you faithfully.